Hey, good morning. morning. It's uh, it's great to see everyone. And uh, uh, typically at this time, I give a shout out to folks uh, in Gallup. And uh, today, before I get into uh, our message here, uh, I want to share a little bit about the future of two different churches. And as I talk about two different churches, um, I'm talking about, of course, Valley View and our partner church, uh, in Gallup. In fact, in 2019, uh, it was actually about 15 months ago, we got a phone call about a church in Gallup that was about to close. And uh, one of the things that we kind of did is we, we thought, what can we do to help them? What can we do to make sure that uh, this church doesn't close? And, and the point about it is there's a, there's a reality in the state of New Mexico. In fact, I have a friend who uh, is a, a VP of a national church, uh, church planning organization, and uh, he was out here several years ago, and he said, I don't know if you're aware of this, but he said, outside of Utah, for different reasons, but outside of Utah, New Mexico is the toughest church market in really the, the western United States, anything west of the Mississippi, and probably a top five tough place to do church in the entire nation. And and Gallup is probably at the top of the list in the state of New Mexico, probably right after Santa Fe and Madrid. Okay? And, And so there is a place, there is a community, there is an area of our state that desperately needs Jesus. And our purpose here as a church is to connect people to Jesus, connect people to Jesus' way of life, and we believe that that is something that is transferable. And so we began in August of 2019 sending out a preacher every weekend, and this church that was running about eight people, um, we began to see that eight people was becoming 12 people, and 12 people was becoming 20 people. And uh, within a few months, that had become 35 or 40 people. Uh, And that was just us doing just a little bit uh, along the way. Now, with that, one of the things that we have kind of come into uh, this this recognition through COVID uh, and through a lot of discussion is that if we're going to be in, we need to be really in. Uh, We can't just be doing a little bit and letting them do a little bit. So in, in, in October uh, of this year, uh, we presented the idea to them of becoming one church. I, instead of two different churches kind of doing stuff together, instead becoming one church. So with that, let me just do share that uh, in November, they voted unanimously uh, to become a, a campus of, of Valley View Christian Church. Uh, and so I am super excited about what God has in store. I have a little bit of trepidation because right now we're at a place as a church that, at least on site, we're not running what we were uh, back in, in, in January and February. However, financially, God's people have been so faithful. I mentioned that last week that we feel like uh, this is something that between their finances and our finances, uh, we can make a go of this. So we have a five-year plan 
uh, in place. And I'm not going to get into the nitty-gritty of it, but uh, it's going to begin uh, basically in January. In fact, actually, we'll probably begin next week. I'm actually going to go out and preach uh, in Gallup next Sunday because I love going out there and hanging out with the people uh, and fellowshipping with them. Uh, so I'm going to go out and preach. Uh, Jim uh, is, is going to continue in our series and, and so on. But here's the reality. We're going to be sending a team out starting in January, uh, hopefully every Sunday. Uh, and that's going to include service hosts, and that's going to include people that we can help train. Uh, we're going to be sending worship leaders, uh, Lord willing. And I don't know with what we're having. You know, we have trouble sometimes getting a team up here with everything that's going on. Uh, but we feel like this is something that, that we should do and, and must do uh, for the kingdom. I'm excited. Uh, probably this spring, we'll begin the official merging process. It's probably going to take a little bit longer than what we anticipated. Uh, but there's going to be a rebranding. Uh, there's going to be uh, two churches becoming uh, one church. And I don't know what that's going to look like yet. But super excited to be able to make the announcement that um, God is expanding our footprint. God is expanding his influence uh, in the kingdom, and knowing that the vast majority of people in Gallup and McKinley County um, don't know Jesus, we need strong, healthy churches there to help people come to know Christ. So I'm going to pray, uh, and then we're going to watch a video, and we're going to dive in to our message this morning. God and Father, thank you. Uh, Father, I, I thank you for big dreams. And the vision that you have for this world of bringing people to your son. And Lord, we just want to be faithful in that. Uh, I pray for the town of Gallup. I, I pray for McKinley County. I pray for Edgewood and the East Mountains as well. Uh, Lord, I pray that in, in our little corner of the world, um, we're just faithful and with your word and faithful with your mission to go into all nations and present the gospel, and let people know about Jesus. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. God didn't speak to his people for 400 years. He was silent. Nothing. It started around 430 B.C., when God's final words came from Malachi, which displayed both his kindness and his severity. Judgment is coming. But for those who believe, it says, the Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. That's pretty much it. 400 years. Silence. So then what happened? Though the Jewish people had rebuilt the temple and restored the law, all was not well. They had wandered from God. His ways were far from their hearts, and centuries of hardships were upon them. First, they fell to the Greeks, and then to the Egyptians, and then to the Syrians who persecuted them greatly. The temple was desecrated. Tens of thousands of God's people were slaughtered. All the while, silence. Where's God? On one hand, I would think that those years would drive God's people to study scripture, to seek God to cling to his promises. Instead, God's people became deaf and blind, unable to fathom what was coming. I wonder if they yearned for the days when God wasn't silent, when he spoke through prophets, angels, dreams, and burning bushes, 
I wonder if they looked up to the sky and pleaded, God, deliver us. We'll respond the right way this time. Can't you see that we need you? Silence. Generations came and went. Hope for many was lost, but it was about to return in a most unexpected way. God was writing a new law while simultaneously fulfilling the old. Its ink would drip with love. Its pages would be filled with hope. You see, God had always been at work. The silence, which had been deafening for so long, was about to end with the sound of a heartbeat. So over the last couple of months, I have answered a question. In fact, the, the question that has been posed to me is, has come in various forms, but it's, it's the same question over and over again. What if they try to cancel Christmas? And, and, and honestly, there's, there's anxiety about that. But here's, here's a deeper issue a deeper issue that I believe that we are beginning to deal with in our society is cancel culture is running amok. See, so when you think about cancel culture, it basically means that if I disagree with a person on one thing, I might agree with them on 99. But if I disagree with them on one item, one reality, then I can cancel them out of my life. And that's happening time and, and time again. It's, it, it's happening with this mass disruption of, it happens in individual relationships. It's happening within the body of Christ. It's, it's happening within, within organizations. It's even happening within families. That if you're not going to agree with me on everything, I am going to cancel you completely out of my life. There's another sort of cancellation that's, that's happening. Fun, theaters, sports, restaurants, family get-togethers. Uh, uh, you know, we have all of these other things that are, are being canceled. And again, that's creating this, this angst and this, this reality that, that is happening. So people are beginning to ask, are, are they going to cancel Christmas? Now, here's, here's a reality. Here's something I think we have to consider. Take COVID out. Take cancel culture out. We, we've been dealing with this for a long time when it comes to Christmas. Because part of the issue that, that oftentimes happens is every year you begin to see those signs and you begin to see those bumper stickers and you begin to see people clamor with the, the notion and idea of well, this year, we're keeping Christ in Christmas. I'm not going to say happy holidays. Or we're going to keep Christ in Christmas. And so lines are drawn in the sand to say this is the way we're going to do that. We battle materialism. We battle over verbiage. We, we battle over Christmas displays. And, and so this is not a new reality. It's a different reality right now. Now, with that, let's just go ahead and say... I believe our culture is moving to a point 
where they want to cancel Christ, they want to cancel Christmas, and even cancel Christians. It's becoming more and more common that if a celebrity even associates with something that might be Christian-related, they're ostracized, they're seen as, as evil. In fact, we're going to be seen as the evil ones. So how do we live in a world that wants to cancel us? Now, now with that, let me just go ahead and, and suggest that over the next couple of weeks, we are going to do probably the most odd Christmas series I have ever done in 25 years of preaching. But there's something good about that. We're going to ask the question, what does it look like for Christians to live in a world that wants to cancel them? Uh, We're going to look at a story uh, about a guy that didn't just want to cancel Christmas, he wanted to kill it. Uh, Christmas Eve, we're going to talk uh, about this, this whole notion and idea that if God begins a work, he's not going to cancel it. But today, I want to look at a Christmas announcement, a a Christmas announcement that really might have felt like God was canceling them. See, I want to give you a little bit of a backdrop. We're going to be in the book of Isaiah here today. So if you have Bibles, Bibles on your phones, um, we're going to be in Isaiah chapter 9. But I have to give you a little bit of a backdrop of what was happening during this time period. You see, Jesus would not be born for another 700 years after this announcement. 700 years. 700 years is a long time. Think about in your mind what it was like 700 years ago in our world. So it wouldn't happen for 700 years, but God's people at this point in time had been divided into two nations, the nation of Israel, which would have been like 10 tribes of the 12, and the nation of Judah, which would have been Judah and Benjamin. So, in a matter of speaking, they canceled each other. And during this time, uh, predominantly the leaders of Israel, through immorality and through corruption and through idolatry, had canceled God out of their lives. In addition to that, the people pretty much followed the leaders, so they canceled God as well. So, they canceled each other, and they canceled God. And it's in this setting that God sends a prophet. Prophet is, is kind of like a guy that, that speaks on behalf of God. And God may even give direct say, you need to say this to the people. And so God sends Isaiah into the picture. And in Isaiah 8, there is this massive announcement. And I'll say it like this. In Isaiah 8, the announcement is basically, you know what? You've canceled me you're going to find out what it feels like to really be canceled. God says, the Assyrians, the Assyrians are going to be here soon, and they're going to take you off into captivity. And we find that after that announcement, I'm going to use a baseball term, God kind of says, okay, Judah, don't get too comfortable because you're on deck. You're going too. And so 20 years after this particular announcement, the Assyrians did show up. And, and, and as the Assyrians showed up, they, they took these 10 tribes, and those 10 tribes virtually never became what they used to be. They became Samaria. 
They, 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 they became just a, a nation that was never what God intended. And 120 years after that, the Babylonians came and, and they took Judah. But it was within this particular culture, it was within this particular era, God doesn't just make an announcement that, hey, listen, things are about ready to get bad. You're going to feel like it has been canceled or you have been canceled, but God makes a big announcement, and the big announcement is Christmas isn't canceled. In fact, I want to read out of Isaiah chapter 9. I'm going to start with verse 2 here today. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light, and those who dwelt in the land of darkness on them a light has shined. Now, one of the things that you begin to see uh, with, with ancient literature, uh, especially the poetry aspect of things, one line is repeated in the next. So it mentions darkness, but it also mentions the coming of light. And, and I think we can even still today, as we look toward the second coming of Jesus, understanding that things are dark now. Would you agree with that? Yes. I mean, things are dark now, but light is coming. There's still the promise of God. We get into verse 3. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with the joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoils. Notice verse 4. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of trampling warrior in the, the battle of tumult uh, uh, and, and every garment rolled in his blood will be burned as fuel for fire. And, and this, this is kind of dark language, but there's hope in here because God is at work. And what we're beginning to see is a reversal. It's, it's from darkness into light. And then the famous words. We've probably heard songs made out of these words. We've probably heard preachers preach these words. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of His government and of peace, there will be no end. And on the throne of, of David and over His kingdom to establish, establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness from, the time, uh, from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts is with us. Now, go back to verse 6 here, and if you can put that on the screen up here. It, it says, His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. This is speaking to the power and the glory and the majesty of God. But then you get into Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now, I will tell you, one of the things that people tend to do we, we either tend to, to focus in on the, the glory and the power of God and forget the intimacy and, and the fact that God is our Father. And, 
Really throughout church history, there's been a pendulum swing of the transcendence of God versus the eminence of God. And that pendulum kind of swings back and forth. This is not a pendulum that should, should, should swing back and forth. It's a place that we should live knowing that God is completely other, completely holy, completely powerful, but yet our Father who wants to connect with us and walk with us. And so there's a beautiful picture here. And, and, and I think one of the things that we have to say, that in the darkest hour, God announces the greatest hope. In the darkest hour that they were walking through, and maybe their history, and God makes this announcement say it's going to get really, really bad, but at some point in time, I'm going to make all things new. At some point in time, I just want to let you know, it might feel like Christmas is canceled, but Christmas is not canceled. It sure didn't feel that way. 700 years is a long time. And even after the Assyrians came, and what was was never again, and then the Babylonians came, and God's people in Babylon were there 70 years, 70 years of persecution, 70 years of suffering, 70 years of isolation. God began to really work on his people then. And there was this renewal, and they actually came back, and they, were, they, they read the, the, the law. They found the, the scrolls, and they were like, what's this? And so they began to read the Torah. They began to read all that God had told them to do. They rebuilt the walls around Jerusalem. They rebuilt the temple. And as they did all of this, still no Christmas. And then something happened. God went silent. Anybody have an Apple phone? Got an Apple phone? You send a text to somebody else on an Apple phone? It says delivered, but not read. Okay? And, and, and so if I do that to one of my kids, they'll say, why have you ghosted me? I don't know what that term really means, but... Because I'm old, but here's the reality. It's as if God ghosted the people. 400 years of silence. 400 years of crickets. 400 years of nothing. Now, think about 400 years. We're in the year 2020. Do you know what happened in, in 1620? Actually, November of 1620? The Mayflower landed on Plymouth Rock. Think about 400 years and nothing. And, and, and maybe, maybe we have to realize that sometimes God really feels silent. Anybody with me? I, I, I've talked to numerous people over the last nine months who have said, I just wish I knew what God was up to. I just wish I knew how God was in this. Sometimes, folks, we need to journey through the apparent silence of God. Because sometimes when God is silent, God is setting a stage. 
God is, is moving. God is, is working behind the scenes. Because you see, it was out of silence that these words came. It was out of silence that in Luke chapter 2, we read these words. And in the, the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. There's hope. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Despite suffering, despite silence, despite all of what everything was going on, God wasn't done. And there was that announcement. It became very clear, Christmas isn't canceled. Christmas isn't canceled. In fact, I, I want to go back. I want to go back to, to chapter 9. In chapter 9 of Isaiah, I just want to read verse 4. For the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken on the day of Midian, as on the day of Midian. And one of the things that we're finding here is this was pointing to a dark time. It was pointing to a dark time where God was working. And so I can find great hope right now knowing that during this particular time, I, I, I can't say how, and I can't necessarily say if, but I just know the character of God that there will be a rearview mirror that we'll be able to look at this period of time in our, our history and go, oh, that's what God did. But you see, a reality, though, is we have to realize is that our hope, our hope is not in our past. You know, it would be really easy for us to romanticize what January 1, 2020 was really like. <laughs> and you, do you remember when? And it, wouldn't it be great? And wouldn't it be awesome? And, and all of this stuff, wouldn't it? I was able to eat at a restaurant. You know, there's, there's all those things. Think about that. And, and listen, I love my past. I... I tell you. I oftentimes talk about the 1980s. <laughs> and, and, and the 80s was, to me, like the best time in the history of history. I love my growing up. I, I really do. In fact, I, I love my growing up. My, my, my son just moved 30 minutes from my hometown. All my family is gone and so on like that, but he moved close to my hometown, and so recently I went up and did a little pheasant hunting in my homeland. 
stirred up a couple of birds, but in the process went through Main Street. I grew up on Main Street, and I drove by my house. Uh, I drove by the house that I lived in for 12 years. Uh, I drove by that house, and I had this sick pit in my stomach that, that's my house. It's a dump. I mean, a lot can happen in 30 years, right? But my future is not in my past. And we can live there. But we have to realize what's happened in the past. That's not our hope. Even if the past is yesterday, our hope is also not in our present circumstances. I mean, if 2020 has taught us anything, is that hope is not found in circumstances. I will tell you right now, relationships, family, marriage, friendships, church, work, neighbor, whatever it might be, relationships are more strained today than I have ever seen them in my entire life. But there has to be hope. Health? Health is uncertain. Now, I'm probably the only person in this room that has had COVID. It wasn't that bad, but I have a lot of friends that it was bad. I have family members who have lost loved ones within extended family. I have friends who have lost parents. So there's really not hope in our health. Jobs, job security, 401ks, we've kind of learned all that stuff is uncertain but there's certainty in something there's hope in something and we can have certain hope if we put that hope in the right place you see what isaiah 9 teaches me uh what what luke 2 teaches me is, is something very important this will be our bottom line hope is found in a person, and his name is Jesus. I can't say a whole lot right now. Uh, there, I, there's been a lot that has shaken me. The church world, I, I don't know what it's going to look like in six months. I know what it looked like a year ago. I don't know what it's going to look like in six months. I talked to a friend this week while I was back home, and one of the things that, uh, that they communicated to me is... It, church in Houston laid off a third or more of their staff because things are so bad. I don't know. Tom Rayner, who is a church guru guy, saying one out of every five churches will close in the next year. There's a lot that we just don't know, but here's what I do know. I do know that there is hope in a person, and that person is Jesus. And, and listen, folks, relationships are going to disappoint us. Political ideologies are going to change, and they're going to disappoint us. The possessions we have, the things that we place so much emphasis and security in today, they're going to burn. But there is hope And there is hope in a person, and his name is Jesus. 
Listen to verse 6 and 7 again. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time and forever meal, forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. There's a future. There's a future with a king. There's a future with a wonderful counselor, mighty God, Prince of Peace. And there is only one. I'm just going to share this. There is only one who will ever be able to govern perfectly. And it's more than an ideology. It is a person, and his name is Jesus. Let's go to Luke. I just want to read verses 11 and 12. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. There is hope. There is hope in a person, and that person even became a baby. That is our only hope. So as we close out, I want to offer three questions to you here today. Who have you canceled out of your life that Jesus has not? One of the things that if we're not careful, we're going to start canceling people like everyone else. Who is someone that you know that maybe you've kind of written off? Have you ever wanted to wipe your hands clean of somebody and just say, I'm done with them? Let's realize this. Maybe Jesus is not. So another question. The other question is, have you canceled Jesus out of your life? I don't know where everybody is, and I'm sure there's going to be some folks online. There's a lot of people that have said, I'm just done with God. If that's you, let me just say, God's not done with you. And one final question. Who do you know right now that needs to put their hope in a person named Jesus? It might be a family member, it might be a son, daughter, might be a parent, might even be a spouse, might be a neighbor. But I think we all know someone who needs to put their hope in a person named Jesus. As so I want to encourage you to pray for that person. In fact, I'll even go ahead and, and say this right now. If you could, take out your phones and create a reminder on your phone to text or call that person. No strings attached. Don't get weird on them. Just check in on them. 
see how they're doing, see if they need anything. We join me in prayer. Father in heaven, thank you. Thank you for a person whose name is Jesus. And because of him, we have hope. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.